This is Garth in a lost cabin somewhere in rural Massachusetts. For some, Halloween isn't a day, it's a season. It starts with the crisp air and yellowing leaves. The sun slowly vanishes as winter creeps in. We decorate in spooky ways, burn candles, and make noise. The traditions of Halloween aren't meant to scare spirits away, but rather to welcome them back from the beyond and make them comfortable in our world. But Halloween is past, and on this All Souls Day, we invite you to come along on a graveyard walk to remember a forgotten past and see some strange things that are only found in cemeteries. So I'm driving to where three major neighborhoods of Boston converge. Roxbury, Jamaica Plain, and Hyde Park all meet in an area called Forest Hills. We're spending All Souls Day, a.k.a. Day of the Dead, in Forest Hills Cemetery. And this just isn't an ordinary graveyard. Forest Hills is a true city of the dead with a rolling maze of avenues and paths. As you pass into the Forest Hills area, you'll feel like you have completely left the city of Boston while still being deep inside of it. Once you pass through the gate of the cemetery itself, you'll feel like you've left the normal, busy, noisy world. Today, we're going to find a hidden village of tiny houses inside the cemetery, but this is only one of the many curiosities. Before we start poking around, it's useful to take a moment to think about cemeteries differently than you might normally. We look at cemeteries a little differently than people used to. I'm going to read a brief section from a book called Let's Bring Back, an encyclopedia of forgotten yet delightful, chic, useful, curious, and otherwise commendable things from times gone by by Leslie M. Bloom in a section called Picnics and Graveyards. People often used to have luncheons in graveyards, visiting the grave of a loved one, or simply admiring picturesque historical cemeteries. There was nothing sinister about it. Some cookbooks even used to suggest menus for such outings. A menu for a picnic in a graveyard, double consomme with sherry or manzala, foie gras, naturel, asparagus, vinaigrette, French bread, and strawberry tarts. So, you have to imagine that a long time ago, the idea of open space hadn't really taken root. City parks weren't necessarily a thing yet, and if you lived, I mean, if you lived in a crowded city and you didn't have your own open farmland or open space, people would often take to graveyards to enjoy the outdoors. People would feel perfectly comfortable going to a cemetery and having a picnic. And uh, today, we sort of look at them more as uh, hallowed spaces to 
be treated with more respect, and they should be treated with respect, but they are meant to be enjoyed. Everywhere you look, there are extremely ornate memorials. There's gothic styles. There are things that look like Greek and Roman temples. There are uh, large plots for entire families, several generations, various types of stonework, all uh, very interesting to look at. And, uh, of course, surrounded by some of the uh, the most interesting-looking variety of trees. And right now, it's sort of covered by... uh, the melting first snowstorm of this year. And it is very much um, like a maze. You can very easily get lost in here if you don't know where you're going. You will run into other people who are using the area. Um, Some people are actually visiting the departed and others are using it recreationally and um, just enjoying the scenery. And it is very pleasant scenery. Municipal cemeteries like Forest Hills are a 19th century innovation. As cities grew and populations increased, they needed a way to deal with dead people. The traditional ways of burying people in small church cemeteries close to places where people lived and worked simply didn't uh, work anymore. So in 1848, Forest Hills was designated as one of the first open plot cemeteries in America. And this is a trend that would change the way that we say goodbye to our loved ones. There are also tiered layers with obelisks, giant tombs, ornate statues. Some of them are overgrown with ivy. In addition to being known for its landscaping and its sculptures planted throughout the cemetery, Forest Hills is famous for its famous residents, including among them is Eugene O'Neill, the playwright, E. Cummings, the poet, but there's also some folks who are famous for things that they did. For example, John Reese, who built a machine that standardized the way that buttonholes were sewn into clothing. And if you have any kind of clothing with a button on it, you probably have what is called a Reese stitch. But even if you're not interested in sculptures or famous people, you can use the walk as a way to improve your horticultural vocabulary. There are many plant names in here that I have never heard of, and they're all used as path and avenue names. 
If nothing else, you'll probably improve your Scrabble score. So we are in the midst of the cemetery and you definitely need a map if you're going to come here and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, you may imagine what a cemetery looks like and this particular cemetery will sort of blow away that um, concept because of its size and complexity. Mm -hmm. I'm standing in front of the sign for White Oak Avenue and right across from me there is a large mausoleum with a white door and it uh, says C.W. Cartwright and it has a big stone urn on top and what we're going to look at is just beyond this and there's a um, there's actually another mausoleum right next to it similar construction I should be more specific and say that the spot I'm starting at is at the intersection of White Oak Avenue and Rock Maple Avenue okay so we're gonna we're walking up White Oak Avenue and as we walk up I want you to look after this mausoleum to Fellner, I want you to look to the right amongst the, uh, the brush and tell me what you see when you see it. Little houses. Yeah. What are we looking at, guys? What do you see? A bunch of little houses made out of stone. Yeah, very... And then they're on, like, a hill. Yeah. And what... Uh, some of them say things on them. What, is, uh, what does that one up there say? Can you see it? Uh, wagon driver? Yeah, and then there's one over here. Lead manufacturer. Lead manufacturer. They've actually all got different descriptions on them. Yeah, and all of the, all of these houses, which I suppose are models of the actual houses, they don't have the people's names on them, they just have their profession. This one says architect. Tell me what else you found. What did you find over there? Temperance leader, poet. poet, and even though these are just labeled by, even though these are just labeled by profession, they actually do refer to specific people. But we have to do a little bit of research to uh, find out exactly who they were. And you can easily miss miss these if you're walking by, because they are kind of covered with, um, you know, moss and stuff, and blend in very easily with the stone and the uh, plants around them. You see musician on one of them? That yeah. That's a very... It's a tall building. I wonder if that building is supposed to be a house or is it supposed to be like a uh, a triple-decker, like a really common Boston triple-decker. Oh, and here's one that says grocer over here too, and it does kind of look like a grocery store. And just above the miniature houses there's a uh, path that will take you out to another one of the roads. Just try and remember where you came from so you don't get lost. Who are the Little House people? What's the backstory? Well, there are seven houses for seven people who are all actually buried in the cemetery itself. The houses are real houses that you can see as well. 
This sculpture was created by Christopher Frost, and he built mystery and curiosity into this sculpture. The sculpture itself is a puzzle, a scavenger hunt, as one mystery often leads to another. I won't recite all the stories here, but I will tell you that several play into future Lost Massachusetts episodes. I will also place in the show notes a map of who each house belongs to, where that person is buried in the cemetery, and then where the real house is. You may be wondering, am I ruining the mystery by giving this information away? Well, you're certainly welcome to ignore it and do all the work yourself, but I really hope that it actually piques people's curiosity and brings them to look out these locations and learn more about it. And just beyond that, uh, at the top of this hill, you'll find one of many really curious and interesting sculptures. This one is a metal tower that sort of looks like a, 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 a birdhouse, but it looks like it's a, a medieval church-style sort of um, church tower uh, made out of wood. And beyond the uh, birdhouse, there is another sculpture. Well, it's a statue, bronze statue in patriot garb. And it is a statue of Joseph Warren, Major General, Grand Master of Masons, Doctor, Sons of Liberty, born June 11th, 1741, slain at Bunker Hill, June 17th, 1773. And his quote is, defend and preserve those civil and religious rights and liberties. This is also an incredibly peaceful and um, introspective place. Just listen for a second while I press record and don't do anything else. So what makes this a lost Massachusetts place? It's lost in a number of literal and figurative ways. First is the idea of a cemetery being part of a lost world of its own, as part of a forgotten culture of the past that deserves to be rediscovered. Forest Hills was also constructed in a city that no longer exists. At the time of its development, Roxbury was its own municipality and not part of Boston. Roxbury had its own mayor and government that designated the need for such a cemetery. Roxbury was dissolved and annexed by Boston in 1867, but that's a story for a different episode. By looking for and finding the tiny houses, you're also emerging into a unique presentation of a lost past. But finally, and most specifically, if you go to the far side of the cemetery to Hackamattack Ave, which runs parallel to the actual city street of Canterbury, and you travel up to the corner where it meets Walk Hill Street, 
you'll be on the former location of the Severns family farm. In other sections, you might be on the farm that formerly belonged to John Parkinson. Yes, the cemetery land is pieced together from old family farms. So hang in there after the commercial for directions to Forest Hills. Directions to Forest Hills Cemetery. Forest Hills is generally open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. seven days a week, but check for specific hours uh, for the office and other events going on. So there are several entrances to Forest Hills, but I recommend using the main entrance, which is off of Morton Street in Roxbury. Morton Street is part of Route 203, if you're driving on the Arbor Way in Jamaica Plain, it actually turns into Morton Street. Morton Street also intersects with Blue Hill Ave and American Legion Highway. You can also get to the entrance from Hyde Park Avenue by turning on Neponset Ave. It's easy to get confused because there are four other large cemeteries in the immediate area. When you arrive at the gate, you can park and walk or you can drive through the cemetery's avenues. Before you go in, you will definitely need a map. You can get one from the main office if it's open, or you can download or print one. I'll link that in the show notes, of course. Realize it's easy to get lost in this place. You'll probably want to both drive and walk to truly appreciate it. To specifically find the little houses, from the main gate, follow Blueberry Ave to White Oak Ave. At the intersection of White Oak and Rock Maple Ave, walk slowly along the right side and look for the tiny houses among the rocks and bushes. If you want to find any of the famous graves or other sculptures, use the detailed map with the understanding that the lettered locations and path names are only relative locations and you'll spend time hunting for different objects. But this is what makes it an adventure. This is Garth in the Lost Cabin. We hope you enjoyed this journey to a historic cemetery. And we hope that you'll join us again next time as we visit a lost island in Boston Harbor with a curious past. Remember, it's always 1928 somewhere. Hey, if you like the show for some reason, there are lots of ways you can join the fun or get a hold of us. You can message Lost Mass through the podcast apps on Anchor. There's a voice option. Or you can go to lostmassachusetts.com and subscribe to our blog. Or use the various methods there to contact us. If you go to lostmassachusetts.com, you can also sign up to get a postcard from a lost place and find out where to send us a lost postcard too. 
Also go to Lost Massachusetts at uh, Instagram for photos and other details. We will do our best to respond to comments uh, directly uh, as well as within the show. You might hear um, your own comment. That's fun. <laughs>